Uh, greetings. Once again, this is Jungle Jim. Jungle Jim, the host of season four of the... Uh... Oh, boy. I always have to say this, don't I? How can I get out of this? I don't know. The I'm Hicksited podcast. Created by Mr. David Hicks. Uh, he will bother at some point to show up and be the host again. But for now, I am filling in. So, in our last podcast, we were talking about the story of how Jacob married the wrong woman. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac and Rebekah, or the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. Let's, let's give credit where credit is due. The son of Isaac and Rebekah, twin brother of Esau. And so their rivalry got so intense, Esau hated Jacob, wanted to kill him even, because Jacob had stolen, tricked, however you want to say it, coerced Esau into getting both his birthright and his blessing. And so now, Jacob has been sent away on a long journey to Rebekah's family to keep himself safe from his brother, but also to, so that he could find a godly wife, a woman of great character and noble heart to be his lifelong companion. And he found it in the form of Rachel, the, the daughter of Rebekah's brother Laban. In fact, he worked seven years just for the privilege of winding, uh, winding, winding? I don't know what in the world that means, but uh, apparently has something to do with weather. Of winning her hand in marriage. And again, in the most romantic statement in all the Bible, it says Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, and they seemed but a few dazed him because of the love he had for her. Oh, it's so beautiful. The only problem was that the night he got married, he married the wrong woman. Somehow he was unable to see or perceive who it was he was marrying. That poor fellow needed some new candles in the tent or at the wedding party, or the, 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 I don't know how Laban pulled this off, but he gave his older daughter Leah to Jacob after those seven years instead of Rachel. So Jacob realized what she'd done, and then Jacob goes to uh, Laban, and, and you know, he's complaining, and Laban says, okay, okay, yes, I know, but we can't marry the younger doctor before the older, so you just marry Rachel and work for me another seven years. And so, like Jacob had deceived his father Isaac to getting Esau's blessing, Laban had deceived Jacob and basically forced his hand if he truly wanted to be the husband of Rachel, he'd have to work another seven years for his father-in-law. 
which is exactly what he did. That's how much he loved Rachel. The problem was he didn't love Leah. And now that was his wife. You talk about being the uninvited guest to the party. She was the wife he never wanted. And so God sees this. And this is the beginning again of what I call World War Wife. Or if you want to, I, I think I entitled this lesson something to effect of uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob's four wives and, and 12 sons. Well, the real title to this lesson should be Jacob's four wives, 12 sons, one doctor, and the beginning of antidepressant medication. Because I know what you're thinking. Four wives? Wait a minute, I thought he just had two. Well, as I said in the last podcast, the rivalry between Rachel and Leah, well, it makes the rivalry between Jacob and Esau look like child's play. Like Jacob and Esau loved each other and hugged each other all the time and were the best of friends compared to what's happened between Rachel and Leah. So God sees that Leah is unloved and he allows Leah to have children. And so it starts out this way. God, verse 31, chapter 29 of Genesis when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, meaning she was not able to have children formed within her. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. No, it wasn't because she was hungry for a sandwich at the time. No, Reuben means see a son. And so Leah says to herself, the Lord has surely looked to my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Poor Leah. This will be a consistent theme throughout their marriage. You see, having a, a child was a wonderful thing, but having a son, that was winning the Super Bowl of wifedom in their culture. It, would, it removed all badges of shame for one to give birth to a son. Not that there should have been badges of shame in the first place, but yes, in that culture and in many cultures throughout history, uh, unfortunately, if a wife had not given birth to her son, they were shamed for it. It was a, it was a matter of embarrassment and disgrace. And so Leah gives birth to a son. She, God has seen that she's unloved. She acknowledges it. And I want you to acknowledge it too. When God sees that you are unloved, he is there to love you. Jesus often loved people who were unloved. He would talk to people that others wouldn't talk to, sit and eat and have meals with others, that uh, with, with people that others wouldn't even allow into their own homes. Jesus saw the unloved and he loved them. And when you are unloved, God and Jesus 
are there to love you just the same. So, Leah was unloved. She gives birth to Reuben and names him that because it means see a son. But now she has her hopes up. Jacob's going to love me instead of my sister Rachel. But it doesn't happen. She gives birth to another son, names him Simeon. Simeon means hearing. Because God's still hearing that she's unloved. She gives birth to a third son. He names him Levi. Levi meaning attached or joining because now she thinks, oh, my husband will be attached to me. He will join me and not my sister. It doesn't happen. In fact, by the, fourth time, by the time she has a fourth son, she just names him Judah, which means praise because she says, well, now I'll praise the Lord. And nothing about Jacob in that one She's probably fed up with him in a bad mood for you. He's never going to love me. Forget this. I'm just going to praise God. Forget what he thinks. Perhaps that's what she was thinking at the time. But yes, Judah means praise. Now, Rachel sees all this. Her sister is having one son after the other, and she's not had any children at all. So she takes her servant Bilhah, marches in, her maidservant, marches in to Jacob and says, give me children or else I'll die. But Jacob, hearing this, angers him. It angers him a lot because he's, he's, he says, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? In other words, who's kept you from having children? So, you know, Jacob's like, what? who do you think I am that I can just magically make you have children? That's not in my hands. That's in God's hands. What do you want me to do? Go down to the local market and buy a child off of our what in the world for? So, you know, Jacob's kind of upset here. But Rachel, she's got a plan. She says, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. So in other words, marry Bilhah, my maidservant. And when she has children, well, they will be considered to be mine. Now we've seen this before. If you remember, Sarai at the time, the one whom God would name Sarah later, thankfully, she comes in to, you know, she tells her husband Abram, because she's been waiting for years now to have a child, she gets fed up and says, well, I want you to marry my maidservant Hagar, and she'll have a child on my behalf. And Hagar did, she had Ishmael, if you recall, but Ishmael wasn't the child of promise, the child that would receive all the other promises that God had made to Abraham. Those fell on Isaac. And now they were to fall on Jacob. So Jacob agrees. He said, okay, I'll marry Bilhah. And then Bilhah has a son. Names him, well, Bilhah didn't have the right to name her own son. Rachel did that. 
because Bilhah was Rachel's servant. And so in their culture, the way they did things, Rachel was the one to name the child. And she named him Dan, meaning he judged because God had judged between her and her sister. And this time she came out victorious. Then Bilhah has another child, Naphtali. Naphtali means my wrestling. Because Rachel, you know, was referring to the wrestling that's been going on between her and her sister. And Rachel's, you know, imagining herself coming off the top rope through the elbow, boom, right down on the stomach. Okay, they didn't have that type of wrestling back then, but they do have, they did have wrestling. And so Rachel, you know, is like, oh, I'm wrestling my sister and I'm winning. And so she named him Naphtali. Now Leah sees this. She marches into Jacob. She stopped having children. And so now Rachel's servant is having children for Jacob. And, and so how is she supposed to win the heart of Jacob when that's going on? So in desperation, Leah goes into Jacob and says, here's my maidservant, Zilpah. Jacob was probably there saying, uh, let me finish the sentence for you. Uh, marry her and you'll, she'll have children on your behalf. How did you know? Uh, been there, done that kind of thing. No, I'm sure Jacob was like, oh boy, here we go again. So yes, he agrees. He says, okay, I'll marry Zilpah. Now we're up to wife number four. And Zilpah does in fact have children. The first one Leah names Gad, meaning good fortune. What good fortune that God has given me a son through my maidservant, and so I'll be blessed, my husband will love me, etc., etc., all those kinds of thoughts rolling through her head. Zilpah has another son, names him Asher, meaning happy, because Leah was so happy that her servant was having children, and Rachel's was not. It's quite the rivalry, like I tell you. Then, in a, later on, Leah starts to have children again herself. Name's the first one, Issachar. No, not because they ask if the child was a car. No, no, that, no it sounds like that, but no. Issachar means hire or reward. And, and basically, the, the gist of it was, Leah was still so in love, she had to hire Jacob back to be her husband just to have another child. So yes, Issachar, Issachar, um, however you pronounce it, I'm struggling with that, was his name meant hire or reward. Then Leah has another son, son number six, Zebulun is what she named it. No, it wasn't after Jacob's favorite rock band, Led Zebulun. No, no, they that, that was they did not exist back then. And so, no, she named him Zebulun because Zebulun means dwelling together or honor. And so she's still thinking, okay, now, after six sons and my maidservant having two sons, all this, Jacob will dwell together with me. Instead of my sister, he'll honor me, not my sister. 
And from everything we can tell, it just never happened that way. So, moral to this story is, if you think that by tricking someone into marrying you, they'll love you, probably not going to work out that way. So finally, after all this time, Rachel gets pregnant. A baby starts to fall within her. Starts to grow. And eventually she gives birth to a son named him Joseph. Joseph meaning, may he add, may he add another son. So Rachel was like, oh, finally I have a son. May God add another one to this. And God, later on, he did. But in that case, it was a rather sad story. Because in Genesis chapter 35, beginning at verse 16, we read this. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel travailed in childbirth, meaning she was struggling very hard. Things were not going correctly in giving birth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, now a midwife, no, that's not a wife going through midlife crisis. She's just trying to help in the process of the baby leaving the mother and coming into the world. The midwife said, don't, do not fear. You will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing, for she died, that Rachel called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now, a couple of things to explain here. One is Ben-Oni means son of my pain, which for all of you women out there who've given birth, you're probably thinking, why isn't every son in the world named Ben-Oni? But yes, his father said, no, 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 he will be called Benjamin, meaning son of my right hand, meaning this son is extremely valuable to me. So the other thing there is it talks about her soul was departing for she died. Now, for you children out there, I need to explain something, or just for anyone who's never heard this before, is that we are not just our physical bodies. Our bodies are basically tools that we use to interact with this world. We have our hands to touch, we have our noses to smell, eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to walk around and explore the world. So our bodies are used to interact with this creation of the Lord. But inside our bodies is our soul, our spirit. You know, when God made Adam, he formed him from the dust of the earth. But it was just a body that he formed. He wasn't alive until God gave him his spirit, his soul. And so what we are, our spirits inside our bodies, that unfortunately we can't see the spirit. We can't see the soul normally unless God does something to allow it. And so when we die, we don't cease to exist it just simply means that our bodies become so broken it can't house 
our soul, our spirit anymore. And so then we leave the broken body and go to where the Father sends us. So, uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm, in the, in the book of Psalm, uh, or Psalms, it's, it's, it basically, Psalm means song, and in the book of Psalms is just a collection of song lyrics, poetry, as it were. And in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, uh, a man named David wrote this, For you have formed my inward parts. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. God forms us in our mother's womb. Not, but not just our bodies. The prophet Zechariah said this, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. I want to explain that now. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens. Interesting. Boy, that's a hard word to say. Interestingly enough, the Old Testament prophets knew that the universe was expanding Things that scientists talk about all the time today. The universe expands. Old Testament prophets in the Bible knew the universe was expanding because they had the wisdom of the Lord within them. So Zechariah says, Thus the Lord, who says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. God forms our bodies. God forms our spirits. That's why whenever we look at ourselves, and we think, oh, this it can't be right. I'm not supposed to look like this. I'm not supposed to be like this. You know, oh, well, poor some, some women even complain about the shape of their hips. It gets so bad. But no, whenever you doubt the body you've been given, the mind, the spirit you've been given, remember, it was your father who made it. And he never looked at you. And thought, oh, you're some kind, oh, that's not what I meant to do. That's a mistake. No, it is not. God knows exactly what he's doing. And he creates our bodies in such a way, our spirits in such a way, to maximize the good that we can do for his kingdom, to, to help maximize how much we know him and love him. It's to accomplish his purposes and his reasons that he has for our existence. All of which are good if we will choose to trust him. So, yes, God forms our bodies, our spirits. We are not mistakes. You are not a mistake when it comes to your body, when it comes to your soul. And we live on past these mortal frail bodies that grow old and broken. Okay, that's enough for now. Uh, in the end, if you, you know, if you lost count, Jacob had four wives, 12 sons. I forgot to mention Leah did have, before Rachel had Joseph, a daughter named her Dinah. Guess what Dinah means? Judgment. Because it was more, it was probably more of God just judging between me and my sister. This time I'm winning, kind of 
thing. But yes, that's the rivalry that they had. And that's how it turned out. Okay, we will continue from there next time. So once again, this is Jungle Jim leaving you with this thought. The Father loves you deeply. Our bodies and spirits he made. The Son cares for you greatly. The price for our sins he paid. The Spirit values you completely. He guides us to what is right. Love them, trust them, obey them. It leads to eternal life. Thank you for listening.